0: You are listening to Back to School, a sermon series by Pastor Bay Allen. We're going to turn to Jeremiah chapter 15, starting with verse 16, where we invite the Word of God to prepare our hearts to receive this morning. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I have been called by your name. O Lord God of hosts, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now I was reading a story online the other day. It was a relevant story about how there's just a whole lot of racism going on in our country. There's just a there's uh, there's a whole. I'm not I'm not catching any of you off guard here. I'm not talking about a thing of the past where I was reading a historical account of the civil rights movement. I'm not talking about some ill-scribed document or statue that shows one race's superiority over another. Um, Not even a bit of literary history like uh, Uncle Remus or stories of Brer Rabbit and all that kind of stuff. I read a story that is current. There's a lot going on right now in our country that ought not to be going on. There's a lot going on that ought not to be going on. If you catch my meaning, racism, injustice, white privilege, these, these make their way into our reading lists when we're online. And I was reading about it. I don't know about you, but it's hard not to read about it. It just pops up onto our news feed. This, this racial divide that is cutting a deep chasm into our country, into our communities, into our neighborhoods, our schools... Cutting our children, cutting a deep trench, even into some of the churches across our country. I read about it. And as if that wasn't enough, there were pictures to go along with what I was reading. There were pictures that went along with what I was reading. It was like a real-life graphic novel, but it was much more graphic than it was novel. I read about it. And I began to think about today's sermon, how it deals with reading in this back to school series, how we're looking at reading. And I began to think to myself, what if I just couldn't read? What if I just couldn't? I couldn't read. That would make all of the difference. If I couldn't read, then I wouldn't even know what was going on out there. I'd have no idea what was taking place outside of my door, outside of my Caucasian family living in a mostly Caucasian community. Without reading about these things online or in the paper or on social media, I wouldn't even know that death was taking place just down the road because they were black, not white. I wouldn't know that injustice was still taking place in this great country of opportunity and equality and 40 acres and a mule, all of that. Everything would be good. Everything would be right in the world if only I couldn't read. Because it gets ugly outside sometimes. It gets really ugly. There's stuff going on that ought not be going on. And when we read about it, we can't just carry on our happy little lives anymore in our little bubbles again i was thinking of all this when i was preparing for today's message how reading has become a regret what once brought power has become a regret something that feels more and more like a curse than a blessing and then i look at my bookshelves and i i look at my bible and i think to myself if i couldn't read I wouldn't be able to experience God's word like I do. Now, some of us are better readers than others. Some of us are better readers. It's true. Like my wife, for instance, she can read an entire book in a day. And she does. Those of you who go to Inspirations may know this about my wife. She'll borrow the book today and it'll be done tomorrow and she'll be good. Now me, I'm a bit slower. She's a very fast reader. But it's faster, better She says, no, is faster, better in school. You know, my daughter, she has books that are listed based off of their content. And each book has a different percentage of points that you get for it. Like you'll read some, and you'll get X amount. You'll read others and you get this amount based off of their difficulty, based off of their content. How do you judge the better reader as we talk about reading today? Who is the better reader? Well, Psalms uh, 118.19 says this, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. So perhaps it's not how fast you read. Perhaps it's not even the amount of points or how difficult what you are reading actually is. Perhaps the better reader is the one who places things of worth before their eyes. It makes sense. Not wasting time with wasted words on wasted paper, but putting something of worth before their eyes. Something that has an eternal significance. Feast your eyes upon this. Today's scripture says your words were found and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Your words were found and I ate them. I love that because I love to eat. (laughs) Especially something that's good. Your words were found and I ate them. We see this image of God's word being food for us. God's word is food. In other words, we need God's word to survive phrase, feast your eyes upon this, takes on a new meaning under this context, doesn't it? That is true feasting upon the word. It it says in the book of Job, uh, the 23rd chapter, verse 12, I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, I've got to tell you, if we're really honing in on content, being what makes Someone a better reader, it doesn't get much better than the Word of God, than the Bible, this book right here or on your smartphone. It doesn't get any better than that. Each week I ask you to follow along with me in your Bibles or an applicable app on your smartphones, and each week I pray that you open that book or that app throughout the week because what you read matters. What you read matters. And I read a lot online that isn't the Word of God. Guilty. I can't help it. I read a lot online that isn't the Word of God. I see a lot written about what's taking place in our world that isn't the world of God. And I read about it. I don't know about you. And it's easy to kind of fall into a rut to get negative. It's far too, it's far too easy to far fall far too fast. That's a tongue twister. To fall into the thick of the briar passion, it'll cut you quick. It'll cut you. And I I use words like reading list because we're in this series. But it's true, there's a reading list. And in school, everyone gets a reading list. There are certain things that you must read to complete the school year. Remember last week we talked about covenant and we brought up things like uh, boundaries, expectations, consequences. Well, part of your expectations for the school year include a certain reading list, books that must be read. And then you also have boundaries, you know, where you have your supplemental reading, like my daughter experiences, where you choose what you read and you get X amount of points for it. On well, social media, on our computers, on our smartphones, on our gadgets, There's a reading list. Whatever is trending right now is there. You can't help but read it. The moment that you've read it and you don't want to read it, you've already read it. There's a reading list. We read so much that isn't the word of God. We really need to make it a priority. And Christians, I'm talking to you. We really need to make it a priority that when we choose what books we're going to read whether there's this amount of points or that amount of points, that is the Word of God. We need to try. We will read stuff that makes us wish we didn't know how to read at times. The world throws it at us. It's right there. We can say we didn't choose to read it all that we want, but the fact remains that we read it. It was on the world's list, and we read it. How many of you were required to read a certain book in school? How many of you have fond memories of some of those books? Shout out a title. Kill Mockingbird. Tale of Two Cities. Catcher in the Rye. What was that one? Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry Finn. So we have these books that we remember because they were, they were awesome. They kind of changed us in some way. I love To Kill Mockingbird too. I'm actually currently rereading that book. Um, also, The, the Outsiders, S.E. Hinton. I remember that book. I loved it. Lord of the Flies. Great book. Loved that book. That impacted my life. The world is going to force you to read some books that you may not choose to read, but you can't escape from them. Some of them may be negative. Some of them may have glimpses of light hidden within there's a reading list, but when it comes time for you to pick what you will read, are you feasting on God's word? Are you treasuring the time that you get to feast on the word of God? And if not on the Bible, at least reading books of inspiration, which can be even to kill a mockingbird. That can be an inspiring book. Look at the social justice that that speaks of still speaks of today in today's world. Are you feasting on something that has light, that has depth, that has truth? Now, there's also a a book club, Inspirations, they're meeting this Wednesday. If you like to read, go check them out. Leah will get you plugged in, right over there, red, with some kind of fleckled spots, I don't know. (laughs) You know Leah, and if you don't, make sure you do, she's a great lady. But we have a book club where you come and you read. What is on your reading list? What is on your bedside table? What are you reading right now? If you have something of meaning of worth that you'd like to share, shout it out. Textbooks. Textbooks. You do not know what they are, but they're required, right? <laughs> they're text. <laughs> no, thank you, Tommy. Yeah, they are. Textbooks are very expensive. It's been a grand for one semester. One grand for one semester. And he'll sell them to you. Only seventy five percent in five months or something. <laughs> but what are you reading right now? I pray that you have something. I'm reading this book called uh, The Orthodox Heretic. It's it's like full of these modern day kind of parables that get you thinking in weird ways. Um, there's an old book by Paul Heser called Christ and the End of Meaning that I'm reading. I'm kind of multiple reading at once. Um, but what are you reading? If you don't purposely read something that nourishes your soul, you will inadvertently read that which bores holes into your soul. So, again, remember Psalm 118 says, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. What are you reading? What are you reading? I'm going to share a poem with you. The writer is anonymous, but it speaks volumes. It says, I am my neighbor's Bible. He reads me when we meet. Today he reads me in my house, tomorrow in the street. He may be relative or friend, or slight acquaintance be. He may not even know my name, yet he is reading me. You ever hear the saying, you are what you eat? I've heard it. I've lived it. And some people who don't enjoy reading one bit... They will never choose to pick up a Bible. They will never choose to open that version app on their smartphone. They won't even download it. But I tell you this, for them, perhaps the only way that they will read the Word of God may be when they read us, the children of God, the church. If what this poem says is true, if I am truly my neighbor's Bible, if there's any inkling of truth to the saying, you are what you eat, it gets to a point where we have to look long and hard and say, am I treasuring the words of God more than my necessary food? Am I at the point of reading God's word where I treasure it? more than my necessary food? Or am I finding God's words and eating them, allowing them to become for me a joy and the delight of my heart? Because when something is the joy and the delight of your heart, you're going to talk about it. You're going to tweet about it. You're going to take Instagram shots and say, ooh, check this passage out right here. Because that's how it works. Look on Facebook. You'll see someone's heartbeat in about two seconds. You'll see what they are passionate about. The world may only read the word of God through us. I often speak of overflowing, allowing our cup to overflow. Well, where does it flow to? It flows somewhere. It flows into the world. It flows into the world. So what are you filling your cup with to overflow? This is an important question for the church. This is a very important question because we've already stated that the world has its own reading list. And we can't help but read certain things because we're in this great big classroom called Planet Earth. But the world has its reading list. So do we. We have what we choose to read. We have what we're required to read. And as the church, if you don't purposely read that which nourishes your soul, you will inadvertently read that which bores holes into your soul. We are the ones that are equipped with the word of God to allow the world to inadvertently read that which nourishes. They are starving for what we have overflowing. So feed your neighbor. What are you reading? Who inspires you in your faith? What pastors are you listening to on a podcast? What songs are you uh, listening to on maybe K-Love or on your iPod? Because what you eat, what you treasure more than food, that is what the world will read when they see you, when they encounter you. Is it the word of God? Is it the word of God? We have an opportunity when we read about the racism, when we read about the inherited privilege that so many of us are living in. We have an opportunity to share God in the midst of that and to add God's word to the world's reading list. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. I read that. Galatians 3.28. Not everyone has that luxury. Not everyone will open this. Not everyone will read that. And throughout history, education itself has been something that was set aside for the wealthy. For those that were privileged, everyone didn't read. If you wanted to read the Word of God, most could only read what their pastor fed them when they gathered for worship. That was all that they would read. This lasted from Jesus' day, from before Jesus' day. All the way through the medieval times, all the way through the Renaissance. You know, uh, King James in 1611 authorized that version of the Bible. There have been many since. You can go on your phone and you can read it in like 47 or more different languages. Find a translation that speaks to you. Everyone couldn't always do that. Education has come a long way. Education in our country has made it possible for not just those of privilege, but every child, Anglo-Saxon, African, uh, Latino, Asian, Arabic, everyone, no matter race, religion, no matter where they come from, in our schools right here, they're all given the same opportunity to read. We have an after-school reading program. Talk to Don about it. Pastor Don, I see him in the back. We have an opportunity to go into the schools and help kids read. Reading is very important. And when I first began speaking to you this morning, I said, sometimes I wish I couldn't read. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you felt that not reading would make everything better because then I wouldn't have to know what was going on beyond my bubble. Well, not being able to read wouldn't change what is being written. Turning a blind eye doesn't make racism disappear, doesn't make privilege disappear, injustice, oppression, hatred disappear. It doesn't make judgmental Christians disappear. It's only when we become the loving and living word of God, when we become God's word incarnate in the world, those things begin to disappear. That's how it happens. And just because we don't like a book that's on the world's reading list doesn't mean that even that can't change us or open our eyes, as we sang, open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Our hearts can still become warned for the injustices that are taking place in our world. One of my favorite books, my wife mentioned it, To Kill a Mockingbird. Atticus Finch said, you never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view, until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. If you turn a blind eye, you're not going to see, much less jump in their skin. I love that quote, reading. Sometimes even the things we don't choose to, that the world just says we have to, they can change us. How is it going to change you? What is the context for the change? Is it for the better I pray it is. I pray that God will work through whatever you're reading to help you see a different perspective. Not reading the negative things in this world, it doesn't mean they're not happening. They don't vanish or disappear. It just means that it's harder for us as Christ's church to, to grow beyond the difficulties that are in the world. How can we grow if we don't know? How are we able to share God's word to that situation, to that, to that encounter? The Bible, I'm closing up. The Bible was written by many different writers with many different backgrounds who added God's word to the conversation throughout history. It was always relative. What we face today isn't new. The more that we read, the more that we, by the grace of God, will be able to overflow God's love into the world. Into a world that is rapidly filling up with hate, oppression, and privilege. John Blanchard said, the authority of the Bible comes not from the caliber of its human authors, but from the character of its divine Who do you quote? I'm just you know, think about that sometimes because who you quote is something that you've read. Okay. So what you read can overflow in that way. Anyway, we quote people all the time. So here's a few quotes for you. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt said, "A thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education." While we're on the presidential track, Abraham Lincoln said, "All things desirable to men are contained in the Bible." Boris Bushnell said, My own experience is that the Bible is dull when I am dull. When I am really alive and set in upon the text with the title pressure of living affinities, it opens, it multiplies discoveries, and reveals depths even faster than I can note them. The worldly spirit shuts the Bible, the spirit of God makes it a fire, flaming out all meanings and the glorious truths. So, what are you reading? Is it something that sets you on fire? That encourages you, that compels you to act? I pray that you will feast your eyes upon this, upon the word of God. I pray that you will feast your eyes upon this and that God's word will nourish you, will sustain you, and allow you to share that holy life-giving meal with others along the way. One more quote I'd like to leave you with is, in this one book, are the two most interesting personalities in the whole world. God and yourself. The Bible is a story of God and humankind or man. A love story in which you and I must write our own ending, our unfinished autobiography of the creature and the creator. That was Fulton Orsler. Now, I adopted some time ago, this, this quote here, Fulton said, an autobiography, an unfinished autobiography. I adopted some time, ago, some time ago, a quote that I had heard, but I'd never wrote it down. So I kind of just wrote down my own little notes. And it looks like this. If they ever write a story of my life, let it not be a biography, but a testimony. Not what I have done, but what God has done through me. I hope you will find some great new things to read in this upcoming school year and the class Um, and and also in the midst of the things that you don't enjoy reading. I, I really hope that you allow others to read the word of God that is living between the lines, that is living within you. May God put his word upon the pages of your life and may your neighbors read it plain as day. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for the way that you have given us the ability to read. Whether we can physically read off of a book or not, you've given us the ability to read your goodness. Your provision. Your deliverance. To glean from the past an understanding of your steadfast love. We pray that you will make us beacons of hope in this day, in this age, that you will allow others to read you through us and to hear your word as spoken for the very first time in the midst of a conversation that's been going on way too long. We pray that you'll bring peace, that you'll lift the bonds of oppression from those who experience them wherever they may be. And that you will give us eyes to see. You will open the eyes of our heart to see your will. And give us some supernatural strength to see it done. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.